you could open your Bibles to the book of James, there we go, chapter 3, we will finish chapter 3 today. We are moving at glacial speed, but we're getting there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We will dance on the streets that are golden. Hard to imagine. Thank you, Lord. That is our future. Lord, we give you praise for your word, for the book of James, for chapter 3, for verses 13 to 18, as we'll look at today. Father, bless our ears that we may hear correctly, that we may hear words of wisdom as we talk about wisdoms, Lord, that we may hear directly from your spirit. We just yield all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we jump into, I feel compelled and we only have 35 minutes, so we're going to move fast. So get your fingers ready to do a lot of, I don't have all the scriptures on the slides uh, this morning. Uh, I feel compelled to talk about one thing for about a minute or two, and that is issue one. We had an election this last week, and I don't want to get into politics. That's not what I'm up here for. But I wanted to, to talk about something. There's a quote out there by a gentleman by the name of Bodie Bachman, uh, Vody Bachman, I'm sorry. And he's a pastor, I think, from the Houston area. Uh, he also has pastored and done missionary work in the, in the African country of Zambia. And this is what he said. We're not seeing terrible things in our culture because we vote the wrong way. Let me, let me say this again. We're not seeing terrible things in our culture because we vote the wrong way. We are seeing terrible things in our culture because men love darkness more than light. Has nothing to do, yes, if we had more votes, we would have done X, Y, and Z. But isn't it like that every time we go to the polls and we press do this, however we do it, um, different precincts and all that? There's darkness in the world. And men and women and young people are captivated by darkness. Amen? First um, John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, this is the NLT version. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Amen and ouch. I said this Wednesday night, I think. Mike and I have talked about this too, but this is a, a me quote. It's not important, but the words I think are pretty interesting. Our, our culture is running as hard and fast as it can towards death. Our culture is infatuated with death, right? You see it every day. Go online. You see it everywhere. Issue one is just one of those among many other uh, examples. Um, in Acts 17, 1 and 9, we don't have time uh, to turn to that, uh, but Paul and Silas are in Thessalonica. They're ministering for three Sabbaths, for three weeks they're ministering, and I think they're staying at the house of Jason. So the Jews, some were persuaded, some came to the Lord, others were not. They went and went, I guess, to the Gentiles and got everybody stirred up to go track down Paul and Silas, probably to kill them or put them in jail Stone them, however punishment that they could think about. And what did they say against Paul and Silas? Well, they went to Jason's house. Paul and Silas had already left. So who brunt, who, who bore the brunt? <laughs> Jason and the believers that were there, they get hauled off to the authorities. And this is what they said. These are the men 
who have turned the world upside down because of how they vote. Is that what they said? No. Paraphrasing it, these are the men who have turned the world upside down by the preaching of the word of the Lord and his gospel. That's what changes the world. So issue one is done in my mind. <laughs> so, well, one last thing, I apologize. Baldwin Wallace University did a poll right before, so a pre and then an exit poll right after. Baldwin Wallace is well known for polling in the state of Ohio. And I won't go through the percentages of the people who voted to, for issue one. It broke it down by Democrats, Republicans, independents, parents, gun owners. And the last category they looked at were evangelicals. So if anybody, we fit in some of these categories here. Some are gun owners, some are parents, some are independents, some are Republicans. I won't talk about the first one. What was the percentage of evangelicals who supported for issue one? 37 is what the entry polling was. See, voting, huh? men love, men and women love darkness. Amen? Okay, so we're at James chapter 3, verse 18, excuse me, verses 13 through 18. Let's go ahead and read into this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What we just read is a colossal battle of epic proportion with serious consequences. Again, what we just read is a colossal battle of epic proportions with serious consequences. And remember, our sermon title is Two Wisdoms. So we're referring to this battle of epic proportions with serious consequences in which wisdom will we yield to? Which wisdom will we exhibit? Which wisdom will we run to? Okay. So think of battles in our lives. Think of battles in our culture, battles in our homes, battles in our country, our city, our state, whatever. And you can think of many different battles, military battles, uh, sports battles, uh, battles of the mind, the will, the emotions, battles of the flesh, all kinds of battles. But some battles that come to mind that are probably pretty prevalent right now in our culture, uh, maybe, maybe this is one of them. Okay, so this battle, really in the grand scheme of the earth, this battle is nothing, okay? Is this battle and have epic proportions and serious consequences? Only if you're the head coach and you get fired if you lose, right? So that's, that's it, right? One of them probably won't be coaching anyway. Well, let's think of another battle, okay? This battle we know about really well. This battle is of the temporal. This is not an eternal battle. People who are who are eternal participate in this battle, right? But in the overall grand scheme of things, it's this temporal world. It's not the kingdom of God. 
All right? So this isn't the battle I'm talking about either. What about this battle? This is a galactic battle. This is a battle fought over planetary systems and things like that. Does anybody know who these folks are here? Okay, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century is on the right. Does anybody know the gentleman's name on the left? You guys are good. You guys are good. Okay, you just dated yourself, uh, Martha. <laughs> I know this. Okay, Marvin the Martian and, of course, Daffy Duck, but his name is Duck Dodgers. Um, you didn't, you're not named after this guy, are you? No? Okay, because he hit Warner Brothers in 70 years ago. I looked it up last night. Exactly 70 years ago. So you're not 70, so I figured, oh, there was some influence there. His mom and dad named the Marvin because they loved the cartoon. So I, I didn't think that that was probably, that's not the battle we're referring to. We're about to get into that in the short amount of time we have. There's another battle. It's on the next slide. There's another battle that has, it is of epic proportion. This battle also has serious consequences. It is the Turkey Run 2023 Turkey Bowl on Thanksgiving Day. Took 10 minutes to do that graphic, so I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. All jokes aside, let's look at James chapter 3. Okay. Who is wise? We're in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the weakness of wisdom. How do we know that our works are done in the meekness, or I'll, I'm going to translate that word a little bit, a little Greek there, humility. How do we know that our works are done in the humility of wisdom? How do we know? Well, this has been the theme of the book of James when we broke into chapter 1, verse 1. It's good conduct. It's being a doer. If we look at James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25, I'll read it for you real quick. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Um, verse 24, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And lastly, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work and praise God. This one will be blessed in what he does. That good conduct. So look, look at the verse again. A wise person, we're going to break this down. A wise person, a person who has understanding, especially of the things of the Spirit of God, a person who has understanding, he shows that understanding by his good conduct. It's not just about what we know or what we say. It's what we do. We'll pray about this here pretty soon, but it's what we do. We need to be a doer. So what is this epic proportional consequences, this colossal battle we're referring to? It's actually in verses 14 through 16 is one side of the battle. And then verses uh, 17 and 18 is the other side of the battle. And it's called wisdom from below and wisdom from above. So let's go ahead and read uh, verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. 
This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So what are these traits from wisdom from below? I'm going to throw a millennial term at everybody here in just a second. But the first one was listed was bitter envy. FOMO. Okay. Anybody know what FOMO means? Are you a millennial? You speak that language a little bit? Okay, thank you, sir. Fear of missing out. It is a major, I have a whole paper on it. I just don't have time to, to weave that, those slides into this, and it's probably best that I don't. The fear of missing out. What is envy? Envy, when I look at envy, I say, I'm going to use James. You sit in the front, you always get picked on. I use James as an example. James has that blue shirt, and I don't have a blue shirt that that's dark navy. And I look at that shirt, and I go, man, I like that shirt. I'd really, no, don't take it off. <laughs> Good conduct and being a doer. See, there's a wise and understanding man. He's learning. <laughs> we all, we all are learning, right? But I'm like, I really like to have that shirt. Oh man. And then it just gets in the root in my life, right? Now, I don't know where he bought it. I don't need to know, but I can probably go to a store and I can go buy it and get one just like him. But you know, I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. It could be a car. It could be a boat. It could be a house. It could be a piece of property. It could be anything. It could be a cup of coffee, a special type of coffee. I lived that most of my life. And so long story short, the fear of missing them out is that now it's going to eat me that I don't have a dark navy dress shirt. Now that sounds kind of silly when you talk about shirts, but change the subject, the items, and there's a lot of consequences to that in how we live our life. If, uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, how do you combat FOMO? So the reason I mentioned millennials is that millennials tend to have the biggest problem with FOMO, according to research. And it's because of social media. Because let's say, James, pick on you, let's say James is a social media influencer in another life, right? <laughs> And James goes and he travels to Hawaii. He takes pictures of the beach, the beautiful sunsets. It's, uh, what is it? It's November in Ohio. Okay, so it's getting colder. It was 20-some degrees last night. And James is just posting and posting pictures in Waikiki, pictures from all these different places, surf spots, the North Shore, all these cool places. And here I am. It's 24 degrees outside. And I'm, oh, look at this guy. I mean, I probably don't even know who you are. You're just somebody who has an Instagram account that I follow. Look at this guy. Oh, I need to be doing that. I need to be doing that. And it takes over your life, and you judge yourself based on the lives of others. And let's be honest. I'm not picking on anybody here, but let's be honest. Most people who post, especially Instagram influencers, it's not reality, people. No, you don't get the perfect shot in every picture you take. Just look at your phones, and you'll see... Shades of this, shades of that. So they do a lot of editing and things like that, and they portray themselves as something that they actually aren't. But it creates this, this, this longing, this FOMO, this fear of missing out. How do we combat FOMO? Philippians 4, 11 through 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi about the generosity of the Philippians, of taking offerings for them. This is what he says. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's how you battle FOMO, 
fear of missing out. That's how you battle envy. I need to be content that right now I don't have a navy blue shirt. Maybe in the future I'll get one. Do I need it right now to survive? Probably not. So you can keep your shirt. Thank you. What's the other one that's mentioned? There's like six or seven of these. The next one was self-seeking. Okay? Again, we saw that in verse 14. Self-seeking. Some translations will say self-ambition. So I put ambition up there as well. In other words, seeking to promote yourself over others. Lots of verses in, our, in the Bible about um, giving unto others, about uh, putting the needs of others above our own. So self-seeking is wisdom from below. The next one it mentioned, earthy. So earthly, earthly, sorry, earthly means following the values and beliefs of the world. Worldly probably is a better way to say it. Worldly. The next one was sensual. So when we look at sensual, when you look at the Greek, it's not, so when we think of that word, we think of sexual, but it's not referring to that. It's referring for uh, the five senses. So what do we have here? Taste, sight, hearing, smell, and touch. Imagine if we lived our lives based just on our five senses. Would we serve God? We have to serve God by faith. Do we see God? No. Do we hear God audibly like you're hearing me right now? Typically, no. Do we smell God? No. Do we see him? No. Do we taste God? No. But you know we can taste the word of God, and that's good, right? So this is somebody, this wisdom below, focuses on the sensual lifestyle. Okay? Now, I mentioned that other word, sexual. If you give in, this over-reliance on the sensual, it will naturally lead to sin in those other areas, but we're not going down that road. The next word that is used from James is demonic. So I just put spiritual. Demons are, are, are spiritual beings. So this wisdom that's demonic, it's spiritual darkness. The next word, if I can get the clicker to work, whoops, there we go. It leads to confusion. To sum that up, it's a disruption of God's will. That's the one thing that the enemy would love to have Christians be is confused because it's hard to hear the Lord when you're confused, all right? It's very hard. And then you don't know what to do. You don't know what the Lord's telling you. And the last thing that's mentioned in this list of wisdom from below is every evil thing. And I put all of the above because all of that above every evil thing adds up to every evil thing. If we live our lives based off of that wisdom, those first number of bullet points, then we will give in and do every evil thing. Look at the culture around us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Here we go. I'll just read it right here. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Anybody here see yourself, the old self, in verses 1 and 2? Amen and amen. Thank you. We were all there, which means we all lived there. We all have operated under wisdom from below. 
We were all born into sin, all born into a sin nature. Therefore, we operated under the rules and the guidelines of that kingdom, not that kingdom, that lifestyle. So let's look at one example in our short period of time here. Genesis 3, going way back, right? Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. We'll read this quick. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field. So we just naturally assume the serpent operated under the rules of the wisdom from below, right? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What was that? He just sowed seeds of what? Confusion. Okay? The serpent knows this list, and he's going to use this against her. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it. And he did say that if you go back uh, earlier in Genesis. Nor shall you touch it. I didn't see that in the New King James Version about touching it, but we'll put that aside. Lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Confusion, right? He's still sowing confusion. It also hits on the demonic bullet point as well because he's Satan, right? Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Self-seeking self-ambition, and a little bit of FOMO. Do we see it? He's working on her, and he's using this criteria right here out of the book of James. So then the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Ooh, sensual taste. That it was pleasant to the eyes. Sight, sensual and a tree desirable to make one wise. Ambition, earthly, do we see it? And lastly, she, she uh, took its fruit and ate, and then she gave it to her husband, and he ate. And then what was the result in verse seven? Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Confusion. They never knew they were naked prior to that. And now it's like, wow, we're naked. We need to cover up. Confusion. So we see that. So that's our wisdom from below. Let's look at wisdom from above. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's go down through that list. I'm going to get us out of here early. Praise the Lord. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So if we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 
Everybody knows what happened in Matthew chapter 5? Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So we're looking at pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wisdom from above is pure. Does anyone here, just shout, raise your hand, anyone here, based on Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, does anyone here want to see God? Then be pure. Remember? Verse 13, what did it say? By our conduct, be doers of the word. If we want to see God, we conduct ourselves in a pure manner. The second word on that list was peaceable. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. How many here would like to be called God's son or God's daughter? Amen. What do you have to do? Be a peacemaker. The next word was gentle. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek. That meek, another translation, could be humble, gentle. For they shall inherit the earth. Anyone here want to inherit the earth? The redeemed earth. Amen. How do we do that? Be gentle. Easy. This is easy to say, isn't it? Think about trying to do this every day. Think about trying to be pure, peaceable, and gentle every day in the people and in the situations that we all interact in. This is difficult. The only way we can do this is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is the only way this can happen. What was the next thing James mentioned? Be willing to yield. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Willing to yield lines up with persecuted for righteousness' sake. How many here want theirs to be the kingdom of heaven? Be willing to yield. The next one on the list is full of mercy, and that's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Who wants to obtain mercy? What do we need to be? Merciful. The next one was bears are bearing good fruit. And actually, I put it in the order that's in verses 17 and 18, but it's all of the above. Because think about what we've seen so far. If we live a pure life, if we're peaceable with our fellow man, if we're gentle, if we're willing to yield, if we're full of mercy, the byproduct of all that will be bearing good fruit. Amen? So there's two more, and we're about done. No partiality. Matthew chapter 5, we have to flip a page probably, verse 43 to 45a. Matthew 5, 43 to 45a. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. How many, how many here would say, yes, we want to be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven? Amen. What do we need to do? Not show partiality. And the last one, no hypocrisy. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Who would like to be rewarded for the things done in secret openly by the father? No hypocrisy. So, this battle... Wisdom from below and wisdom from below, from above has been raging, as we saw, since the fall in the garden. It's been raging through every generation since, and it will be raging for every generation in the future until the Lord Jesus returns. Amen? This is a colossal battle of epic proportion with serious consequences. Where are the consequences? Well, it's with us, but it's also our church. It's also our community, our state, our nation, and of course, our whole world. Everybody stand, please. We'll have a word of prayer, and then after prayer, uh, remain standing. Marvin, if you could lead us in the doxology, I'd appreciate it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, uh, we just thank you for wisdom from above. Lord, as Mike mentioned earlier, you've been so good to this church. You've given abundantly. We actually talked about abundance in Sunday school with the widow's might. You've given abundantly, Lord, and this church has had the ability to give to the nations and to the local community for the spreading of your word across the world. Lord, we pray that even though we do these, these, might I say, great works, if our hearts are not pure, Lord, if we're not gentle, if we're not willing to yield, If we don't, if we are hypocrites, Lord, if we show partiality because it's not part of our clan, those aren't our people, then Lord, what are we doing? Is it for naught? Lord, I pray, we pray, you purify our hearts, Lord. And Lord, as we've gone through this list, 
wisdom from below and wisdom from above. Lord, may we run hard. We mentioned earlier, Lord, that our culture is running as fast as it can toward darkness. Lord, let your people at Turkey Run run as fast as they can to the light. Let us run as fast as we can to emulate the wisdom from above and not below. We give you praise. Father, lastly, we pray for each of these Christmas boxes that are up here. Lord, we, we don't know exactly which country they're going to. We don't know the, 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 the young girl or the young boy who will open each and every one of these. But Father, we ask that it just brings joy to their lives, to their hearts. And Lord, may they know. And we ask that you use this Samaritan's purse. May they be used to spread your gospel where these boxes go. Lord, the things that are done in secret, the families at Turkey Run who went to the dollar store, to Walmart, or wherever they went to buy the little gifts and trinkets that go inside, Lord, may, as those boxes be opened, openly into the world, Lord, may it touch their hearts. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Marvin, if you could lead us.